Hey, man. Welcome to the Badam Ching with Carl. Howdy, my riders, and welcome to the Badam Ching with Carl, man. Another week, man. You know, it's fun. I'm getting into this whole, like, like, hunkering down thing. Does that make sense? I don't know. I'm getting used to it, man. Like, like I like it. I like not seeing people. I like seeing as less people as I can. Does that make sense? I don't know. Um, you know, I look forward to my, my big thing of the day is like doing laundry. You know, I still haven't done it. <laughs> but one day I'm going to do laundry and I'm going to be like, yeah, man, I did a thing, you know. I mean, I, I, I know the holidays are coming up, you know, and it's like, what do people do? You know, like, should you go out of town to see your family? Is it worth it? Is it? I don't know. I have no idea, you know. I I, I guess I want to go because nobody told me I, I can't go. Does that make sense? I mean, I don't know how y'all feel, but I don't know. It's like, I guess I'm going to go because I have to go, right? It's Christmas. I don't know. I'm not going to see cousins or aunts. Does that, does that make sense? I mean, is that justified to just see your mom and dad, you know? Would your mom and dad be mad at you if you came? I haven't talked to them about that. Maybe I should ask them. Or would they be madder if you didn't come? Hmm. I'm really torn, guys. You know, I'm wrestling with myself. I should probably make a phone call, but you know what moms are going to say. I'm like, oh, you have to come. Like, don't run Christmas. I don't know. It, it It's a weird year, guys. I, I don't know what to do. Do you guys know what to do? Are you going? Are you not going? I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> I ain't trying to be a downer. I'm just trying to wrestle with... You know, this whole COVID thing. But anyway, uh, I guess we'll figure it out. I guess we'll all know in like two months when everybody's dead, right? At least the good ones will die first, I think, you know. All right, I'm going to shut up. Damn. <laughs> this is not a good way to introduce uh, my guest for tonight. But anyway, I'm going to do it anyway. Eddie Ortiz, man. <laughs> Eddie Ortiz, Edwin Ortiz, if you know Eddie, his name's Edwin. Uh, man, great, great, great person, man. Uh, great host, great affable comic, man. Like, uh, 
I didn't know until we had the conversation that that he had his hands in so many things, you know, like he's a writer, producer, comic, musician. And that's just a start. So I ain't going to give all of it away. Um, Hope you guys are okay. (laughs) Sorry for me ranting on this whole Christmas thing, but like we're all weird, right? It's a weird year. But I think what's going to follow is a great conversation with Eddie Ortiz. And uh, I love this guy. I think you'll love him too. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, my man, Eddie Ortiz. Come on. The thing that I didn't realize that was going to be so difficult was being all of your white friends' only black friend. (laughs) Especially when you're Mexican. (laughs) And the thing is, is I'm not even Mexican. I'm about as Mexican as the tacos at Jack in the Box. Edwin, what's going on, man? What's going on, buddy? How you doing? I ain't seen you in a long time, man. Been a long time. I know, time. man. I know. No gray hairs up there, I see, though. <laughs> yeah, going gray, sitting at home, doing nothing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look good. You know? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, man. I, you know, it's funny. I don't know if you've seen it, but like Con- Connor Larson's like stole your hairdo recently. <laughs> <laughs> you white guys always be stealing stuff from us. It, well, you know, hey, man, like you got to steal from the best, right? <laughs> <laughs> See, Patrick Mahomes stole my hair. I'm pretty pissed about it. So. Oh, really? Yeah, but he's a megastar, and I'm sitting in my bedroom, so who cares? Yeah, you think he found it? He found you out somehow, man. <laughs> Dang. Dude, last time I heard, man, like, are you doing okay? Because I know you, right before COVID, man, like, you were having oh, man. health issues, man. You know, it's, it's so I have, uh, I recently found out that I have a, a, a particular skin disease called HS. Okay. And, uh. The problem with it was that, like, at the end of last year, I didn't really know what was going on, you know? Like, I was like, oh, my body's being weird. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I got sick, and then I got in the hospital, and then the hospital, I, I mean, when I, by the time I got to the hospital, I had a pretty bad infection, and I, you know, I almost died at the end of November last year. Oh, God. Yeah, I was in the hospital for, like, eight days, and then uh, uh, once I got out, I was attached to this machine, which mm-hmm. was really strange. But then we also, while I was in the hospital, me and Brad Sativa, we were roommates, found out that we had to move out of our place. So I like got out of the hospital from almost dying and then had to move out of my place. And uh, in the middle of all that, it just kind of derailed all the comedy I'd been doing. You know, like, like for the first time in my life, I wasn't on stage for like three weeks straight, you know? Yeah. And it, 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 was, it was hard. I remember in December, I tried to do one show and I went out and I did it. I had a good time. But it it was a struggle. It was a struggle, like, physically and mentally. And so it took some time to try to recover and, like, try to be a regular person again. Mm-hmm. And then um, me and Sativa booked a little weekend together, and it was starting to work out. It was like, I was pretty excited about it. Yeah. And we decided to go down to Chattanooga one night early to do the mic and hang out with the Chattanooga friends, you know, because mm-hmm. there's a pretty dope scene down there. And... Uh, Right before that first set, I fell down some stairs and broke my freaking ankle. Oh my god, man! <laughs> yeah, but that was yeah. twenty twenty though when that started, right? No, this that that was like yeah, that was that was that was uh, uh, I believe the first week of February. Yeah. So about about two and a half weeks before everybody went into quarantine, <laughs> I was I was stuck on in a bed on a boot. Oh my god! 
You're like, if things can't get any worse. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden we have a global pandemic. Yeah. Everybody's oh broke. Comedy's dead for a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the worst thing is, is that because of my whole new sickness, I'm like crazy high risk, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah. And also like looking at the statistics of like, yeah, I know that people are like, oh, only this amount of people are dying. And I'm like, yeah, I understand that. But if you look at Hispanic males my age with a pre-existing condition, we're dying like 25% if we get it, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. And so I'm not trying to be one in four of people to die. No, no, I get that. It's, not my, it's not my vibe. I've already, I've already uh, conquered death a bunch of times. So mm -hmm. if I'm going to die, it's got to be cool, you know? Yeah, that's what you don't want to be a statistic, man. You know, like no, fall I down a whole bunch cool. of stairs, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I need to fall down some stairs and die on TV or something. <laughs> down TV. <laughs> there you go, man. We mentioned comedy. So, like, where did comedy start for you, man? Like, how well, did you get into it? You know, I, I honestly, if I'm being, if I'm looking at my life, I've been a writer my whole life. You know, when I was, like, 11 or 12, I wanted to write. That's what I wanted to do. And, um, and through high school, I tried and, and did all that stuff and, like, kind of realized that the world, that world as it functioned was not something I liked, but I liked the act of writing. So I slowly st thought to myself, like, where can I take this, this word creativity that I love and, and turn it into something that I can work in? And so then I got into music, you know, because I thought, okay, I can write songs and it, it, they're like poems and you're trying to get things across. And so then I, I chased that down for a really long time. And uh, when that kind of failed, I, I moved to Nashville and was just kind of like, looking for the next thing, like trying to figure out a way to make, not only make a living, but like maybe I was looking for some happiness doing this thing that I loved, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, a buddy of mine was working in Hollywood and he'd gotten his, he'd sold the script that nobody was going to make and he made a bunch of money and I was jealous, you know? Sure, man. And uh, uh, I thought, I mean, I, I, I watch so much TV. TV's always been my favorite thing. Deep down inside, I've always wanted to be a stand-up, but I never thought I was funny enough. Mm -hmm. And so why don't I start to try to write a sitcom, you know? So I sat down, I sat down, you know, my computer for like a few weeks and was just trying real hard to crank something out. And it, going back to it, I, it wasn't working. It was not very good, but mm -hmm. I, I see where I was going with it, you know? I was putting together the bits that I knew about television into something that I liked, you know? But I didn't have, I didn't have the it that I needed. You know, there was something missing. Okay. And uh, I was hanging out with my friend Heather Leroy. She's a, she's a storyteller, comedian, actress around town, and she's made a movie. And um, she and I became friends in, around Nashville. And she would she would come sit with me at, at we would have coffee. And I would just tell her stories about my life. And. She would stop me and, and like go, you do realize you just, that was a punchline. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, you just told me a story. And at the end you were trying to be funny. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's how people are. And she's like, that's how jokes are, you know? <laughs> and she was, and so she like, I was like, just don't, you know? And, and she, the next time I was like, just point it out to me when I'm doing it, you know? Cause at that point I felt a little self-conscious. I was like, oh, am I trying too hard? And so the, the, one of the other times we hung out, she was like, dude, you got to write these down. And so I started writing them down. And then after a few months, she was like, dude, you got to go try these. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'd go to Bobby's like everybody did back then. You know? Sure. What year was that? Do you remember? That is, man, I don't remember. I, so five years now. So oh, okay. 2015. 
Okay. Yeah, either, yeah, I wasn't 16. It was definitely, it was late 15. Um, it was October-ish of 15, yeah. And uh, I go to Bobby's, and I've never been there. I know nothing about national comedy. And it's, uh, uh, it's uh, this girl's on stage. Her name is Laura Peak, and she's <laughs> killing the game. And, yeah. and they just started. She just started, you know? Mm-hmm. And then after Laura, it was this guy, Aaron Weber. And I was like, oh, that guy's really good, too. <laughs> I, I don't know if I could do this, right? Uh-huh. And then the guy after him, who was the guy before me, was this guy named Brad Sativa. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's no way I can do this. There's no way I can do this. So the three of them go up before me. And this is my first time ever fucking shaking in my boots. And I get up there. I get one laugh, you know, and it's, yeah. it's Bobby's where one laugh is a lot, but it's very quiet after that for a long time. Mm. And uh, I got off stage and I left. I like immediately went to my car and was just high. I was just, it was a new high I'd never felt before. It was something that I, I think I had it, I think deep in my heart I always wanted to do it, but never had the goal. And then all of a sudden had the goal and mm-hmm. fell in love. Like it, it took over everything else. I wasn't planning on being a stand-up. I didn't want to be a stand-up. I was planning on being a writer. Mm-hmm. But now it's the only thing I can think about. It's the only thing I want to do. Even, even working on writing projects now, I think to myself, oh, this will be a good way to continue to, ha- to get my name out there so that I can keep telling jokes. You know? Yeah, man. For sure. I, accident- I accidentally drank from the Fountain of Youth and all. that's all I wanted, you know? Yeah, man. Gets in you, don't it? <laughs> yeah, it gets in you. And you, and I don't think I'll ever stop. Like, yeah, we're, we're stuck right now and it, it's killing me that I can't do it. But I'll probably do it till my last day, you know? Yeah, man. Like, you should. It's like, even if, I, even if I fail at all of it, I'll probably still be going to mics and be one of those old annoying guys who's like, oh, I used to be good. Yeah, man. But as long as you're doing it because you love the process of it, man, that's what it's all yeah. about. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. I mean, writing a joke is just, well, not only writing a joke, but like making people laugh is a drug. It oh, yeah. Feels, it feels make, so good. Making it a stranger so laugh, you know, it's like even a little extra, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, or people that you can tell don't like you, but your joke mm. is so funny that they have to laugh. Mm. Like to, to me, that's, it's not, it's not necessarily like a power situation more than it is like, I don't know, it gives me life. It gives me validity. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, in this crazy jacked up society that we live in, in this, in this fucked up world, for one minute, for one split second, I, I got you to manifest the physical part of joy, you know? And yeah. all, all because I am lazy or because I fell down some stairs, you know? <laughs> That's the beauty of this thing, right? Yeah, it's how, it's how you turn the bad into good, man. It's how you turn the bad into good, I think. Dude, so let's backtrack on that a little bit. I want to first ask about, like, when you were writing, were you writing poems or short stories or? All of it. I, I, I honestly, I, I'm like, <laughs> I haven't, I, re, I went back to it a little bit earlier this year, but it's still not the time to go back and finish. But I'm like, gosh, probably 100 pages into a novel. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I probably have about a hundred short stories or so. And I have probably a few hundred poems out there. Honestly, if you go to my Facebook, you can find links to all of them still. Oh, really? Yeah. I used to, um, I've never really been that comfortable with hiding the shit you're working with. And I don't know why I understand why people do because it's embarrassing and it's like uh, uh, vulnerable, but I also don't like, I'm pretty embarrassing and vulnerable as a human. So I don't really care putting it out there. 
So like mm-hmm. I still have I still have my old Tumblr going with all of my poems on it, and uh, I have a WordPress out there with all, like a bunch of the short stories that I liked from back then. You know, what kind of style do you think you have as far as like short stories go? Oh man, I'm a I'm a I'm a, I'm a romantic, but I also have like a little. My perspective is different because I didn't grow up like anyone else. You know, mm-hmm. so like I think there's something about it that feels. It feels a little like trying to trying to explain what's going on while not trying to explain what's going on. You know, I got you. Yeah, I, I did write my my favorite short story is about this guy who him and his buddy him and his buddy wor- both work for the same company, but he's a janitor and his buddy is like this like this this top scientist, and they're trying to uh, they're trying to figure out they're gonna send a they're gonna send a bunch of people to space to live in space to try to send them as far out as they can. Mm-hmm. And, and this guy who's supposed to go decides he doesn't want to. And he talks his janitor buddy into taking a spot. Yeah. It's, it's a little, it's got a little like, I don't know if it's sci-fi or anything like that, but it, 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 uh, it, I like to pose questions and then answer them, you know? I dig that, man. Yeah. So, it's like, it's like, what would you do? If your life was terrible, would you would you use it on doing something that's better for everyone else? Mm. I dig that, man. It's really like makes you stare in the mirror, right? Take a look at yourself, you know. I mean, that's isn't that what all all of it is? Isn't I guess even so, joke, man. Joke writing is just going, "Hey, this thing happened, or I thought about this thing. Let me tell it." Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure, man. Do you have any uh, favorite uh, poets? Anybody inspired you? I you honestly, man. I since the since the the first book I read, I was always a Bukowski fan. Yeah. Okay. Like, and I, I think that a lot of people, he's, he's, he's one of the most notorious misogynists of all time. And I've, <laughs> I've always known that, you know, like I think as a kid, what it, what I think what attracted me to him was the fact that in his writing, you see that terrible side of him. Mm-hmm. And then you see the side of him that goes, Oh, this is terrible. Isn't it? You know? And when I was younger, I, especially the way I looked at women, you know, cause I was brought up a Hispanic male in Los Angeles in the nineties. Like we didn't know, we didn't, we were not, we, we were never taught how to be uh, respectful. And, but deep down in my heart, it always felt wrong. So like, I didn't really partake, you know? Yeah. And, and I think reading him realizing that, Oh, even the worst guys in their hearts, they know that this is the wrong way to be, <laughs> but they don't know how to explain it. And they can't yeah. because, because machismo and society and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. um, also like he was a loser for most of his life. Like he was, he didn't get popular until his late thirties, which was, you know, old back then. Sure. Um, he grew up in Los Angeles. Like I did, like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of correlations, you know? And uh, well, being a fat kid my whole life, is, is it's one of those things where like people put you down and, and treated you wrong forever, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was, he had, he had a skin disease. So when he was younger, he had like zits on his face and like he, his experience, like ham on rye is a book about, uh, his childhood and reading about his childhood and like going, Oh shit. I, I grew up in the same places. I felt the same way. You know, it was very, it, it attached to me and it made me feel like, Somewhere in literature, there was an outcast that did feel like me, even though he was a white guy, you know? Sure, man. You know, because I, I, there's, there's a lot of stuff out there that I, at least little bits and pieces that I look for that are closer to my culture, but it doesn't really exist, you know? Yeah. 
Hell, man, I grew up a Cheech and Chong fan. You know what I'm saying? So, like, my biggest heroes were, you know, uh, you know, a Mexican from East L.A. and a, and a half Chinese Canadian guy. You know. So, so uh, I, I freaking loved Cheech and Chong because of Cheech, man. Yeah, man. Like him and Paul Rodriguez were the only Hispanic comedians on TV back then. That's true. And, and so, like. Born in East LA. I'm also from East LA. Perfect. So like that that movie was like every time I see it, I'm like, this is my life. Yeah. This is literally my life. Yeah, and you know, it, 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 when you relate to somebody like that, it sticks your whole life. I like Bukowski. Bukowski, he ta- he likes to talk about what it feels like to want to die, and I'm like, man, I think about that all the time. You know? <laughs> uh, music, man. Like like yeah. You said that that writing inspired you to start doing music, correct? Yep. Like, just uh, tell us a little bit about like your path from music to comedy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, cause we talked about comedy, but like, I'd love to hear your music background. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up, I grew up LA in the nineties. So punk rock, like uh, as a Hispanic kid, you kind of had two options. It was either you can listen to hip hop or you can listen to punk rock. Oh, okay. And, and uh, uh, where hip hop has my heart, at the time, I was full of angst, and I was a teen, and uh, I, I hung out with a bunch of guys who, who, who we, we call ourselves rebels, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, we were, we, were the, we were punk rock before we knew what punk rock was, and then when punk rock came, it was like, oh, that's what we are. <laughs> so, when I, at, by, by the time I was like 19, 20, I had friends who were on Warp Tour, and I knew people who were making real livings, uh, playing punk rock going, oh man, I could maybe do better than that. You know, it was hubris, mm-hmm. but it was hubris that led to pretty much my twenties. My I was in a band, you know, we started a band and I am the person that I am. So being on stage became, I realized I was never necessarily afraid of being on stage. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't like it as much as other people did. Like there's some people who that's their favorite part is being in front of others and being the center of attention. And, and I get that. I get that. I'm not, I don't necessarily put it down, but it's, that's not my vibe. I don't, I don't like being the center of attention, but I also don't like being around things I don't understand. So to, to understand things you take over, you know? And so I started, I bought a guitar and was like, okay, I'm going to teach myself this guitar. And then within like a year I was, I was in a band that I'd started and uh, I was the singer, even though I'd never sang before I, Mm -hmm couldn't sing is punk rock though we didn't care and uh i think 2000 and 2004 we got our first tour where it was like oh we're gonna tour around the country and then i i honestly never stopped touring like even today like i went from being in my band for all those years for a living and we we were we were an unknown band but back then you could make money selling cds at a gas station and then uh selling cds at your show and then selling cds at the coffee shop later you know like yeah man like hustling you could hustle back then and make sure. it and uh, make a living in music not a good living but a living at that um but then i uh i got sick i uh i had cancer in 2007 and uh between 2007 2008 and uh that kind of ended the band you know, like sure. we were always living on the edge of, of breaking up and not having enough money and not really making it. And that threw us over the edge. You know, we did a last tour and then we were like, well, I got to go to the hospital for a long time. So that kind of, it shut that part of it down. But I think that 
at that point, I was just kind of look. I I'd been poor for so long living in a band that I just wanted a career in something. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I moved to Nashville, immediately fell into working for bands. So uh, uh, I started in the Christian industry, but within a few years was on bus tours and uh, had learned that I was really good at managing people on the road because I'd been on the road for so long and I was an adult, you know, I was an adult who was smart. Yeah. And so that opened up that career to me where all of a sudden in Nashville, I have, uh, I have these skills that are really helpful for the industry that's huge here. So I worked for a lot of bands and did a bunch of tours and had a great time and like, Got to got to see the world, you know. I had a I had I got this. You got to go to Australia, New Zealand, and Japan. I got to go to Singapore. I got to go. I got to go to a lot of awesome places. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, and that's what I've done every year since. Like, I might, the last tour I did was in October of last year. Like, I I I will probably always dip into that because it it is really um, it's something I'm naturally good at, you know. Sure. And uh, I, I will say, though, for a while there, it was really hard to be the guy who puts in a, a, a person on stage who's doing well mm-hmm. and then to stand on the sideline and watch it happen. You know, sure, sure. Yeah. And I remember I was doing a, I was working for this lady named Sarah Bareilles, best boss I ever had. She mm-hmm. was literally the best boss I ever had. We're still friends. Her birthday was yesterday. I texted her. Um, it we're doing uh we're doing left uh, a late night with seth myers you know mm-hmm. and at this point i just started to do comedy this was you know this is maybe a year after that first set and uh um she's we're jibber jabbering about how it's seth myers and seth myers is a big deal and if i wanted to meet him and i was like yeah i want to meet him and all that stuff but like i don't want to meet i don't want to meet him because of your talent i want to meet him because of my talent you know, yeah, man. Like something in there clicked and was like, okay, your career of being the guy who helps people follow their dreams is needs to die because it's time to go find one. You know, hmm. and I think that all that really led me to to the to the realization that I could I could do comedy, I can find something in this world to to do until I'm done, and I think hmm. I, I hope I will. You know, I have that hope in my heart, just like every one of us who's tried that stage. I just honestly think that I can crack it. I can crack this nut somehow. Yeah, man. Did you yeah, ever, uh, when you were traveling with the bands, did you ever do uh, sets? Did you have time to do sets on the road? No, well, no. well, that was the hard part of that first year. Because that first year when I was traveling with her, with Sarah Bareilles, we were full time and it was, a, it was a hard gig, sure. you know? And so I probably, for that first six months of comedy, I probably only did like, a set every two weeks. Okay. And then once I got the hang of how to maneuver that world around work, mm-hmm. I was doing sets in different cities like every other night, cool, which man. was awesome because I still have that. Those people are still, they're the people that watch my show and, and I still keep up with those people. Some of them are old friends, you know, like I have this like, ske- I have this skeleton of places to go all over the U.S., which yeah. is the, that was the plus of that. But also, you know, when you when you only have a little bit of time and you're in a new city every night, uh, you start to do the same thing over and over because that's what a pro would do. Right. But when you're an amateur, it it stalls you because then you only have this handful of jokes and you think that handful of jokes is really good, 
you're not writing anything new because you don't want to take chances in front of this new crowd, you know? Mm. And so that first year was like, I feel like I, I, I wrote a lot of stuff up front that people really liked, but then it took me a while to get the hang of it again, you know? Sure, man. And, and uh, that job eventually, she, she went to, she went to uh, 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 Broadway, and so then she was only in New York for a long time, and we stopped touring, and it was, it was, it was the time when it was, it was time for me to transition from that world to this world. I got you. And, and I, I took it seriously, you know? And I had, I had a couple of years there where I was, all I, all I did was stand up. And, uh, but that will make you broke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, I started touring again and going back and forth, but I mean, honestly, like my intention is to do stand up forever. So we'll see. Sure, man. And like, yeah. uh, well, let's, let's talk about the now and like, let's talk about the new show you're doing, uh, through social media, man. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, we, we as Nashville, as Nashville comedy, and this is something I've always noticed. We don't have enough. We didn't, we used to not have enough content, you know, nobody was doing podcasts. Nobody was doing anything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that always bugged me. And I'd always thought that like everybody in town is funny enough to do this shit, you know, like mm-hmm. the people that we know are freaking hilarious. Okay. And, and I, I always thought I, I'd always had it in the back of my mind. And then a couple of years ago, um, I started writing down this idea and started kind of trying to work through what it was going to look like. And it stalled like everything else, you know, like it got stuck in the, in the back burner or something else. And the people I wanted to work with couldn't really work with me and all this madness. And then a few months ago, a buddy of mine, he, he approached me and he was like, Hey, we have, uh, we have this film festival. It's called the defy film festival. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's like a, it's like the underground local, uh, film festival. And they were like, we're, we're doing it virtually because of this year. Um, we're looking for somebody to, to come up with some content to let us know what Nashville standups have been up to. And I, I took that original idea and kind of morphed it into what became the Nashville comedy news. Nice. Like really it's just interviews with people from our scene and uh, a couple of altruistic things. And then a bunch of one-liners like, it, yeah. it, it became this thing that was supposed to be 10 minutes of funny for a festival. And we ended up writing a sketch. We did three interviews. We did a whole bunch of, it was a 23 minute show. The mm-hmm. first. And so once that first one was done, I was like, Oh, we got to make some of these. We need content. I need to bring the Nashville people in. Like it, it needs to happen. And so that second episode you know, we had KC, I had, I had Chance Willie on the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I pretty, I, I had Allison Summers on the last one. Like I pulled in people that I think are really, really funny. And I, I still, I'm going to continue to do that, you know, like, hey, sure. um, cause, cause that's the great thing. Like we'll be in there and we'll be writing something. And obviously I work with Jasper who I love to death mm-hmm. and um, we'll be writing something funny. We'll write something funny and then we'll present it to the person and the person has their ideas and their ideas are funny as hell too. And putting it all together, it's it's just so much fun. Like that's the thing. When when the pressure of trying to make it isn't doesn't exist because nobody is what nobody on my set, nobody on any of that thinks that the Nashville Comedy News is gonna make us famous, you know? <laughs> like we're looking at this like, hey, here's some content. Maybe yep. somebody will like one of these sketches, but let's have fun, you yeah, know? One hundred percent. And being in the writer's room doing the, like the headlines we most of the time i walk in with like three one-liners and then in the room uh, our friend my friend hope 
Hope is she she is like she's been my writing partner for a while, but like she, her her humor is some of it's like my absolute favorite. And so when we write together, all all set up and she'll punch, and her punch is always going to be better than mine. And if it isn't, I'll spit out mine, and we'll both die. You know, like like <laughs> we're, we're both willing to encourage each other, good or bad. But the goal is always laughing, like. If it's if we're not laughing, it's not funny. There's no sure. reason to do it, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. So I, I just have, I happen to have this tiny, great team of humans, and we haven't done a, a new one yet because I was sick, and then uh, 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 both of them had COVID scares. So we're sure. we're we're about two weeks behind where I wanted to be. However, uh, we're working on the new episode now, and uh, and and again, we have to we have to pull in a little bit because of COVID to be safe. Yeah, man. So we're not, we're probably not going to pull anyone in on this one, but I think, I think the goal for this first season is to do 10 episodes. We're at three so far. Cool, man. And uh, I have, well, the fourth one is almost written. And by like March, I want to do another five, you know? Yeah, that's great, dude. You know, like, I applaud you for doing this, especially in these weird times, man. Like, yeah. It, the people yeah, need so, stuff to watch, you know? Exactly. And and that's, you know, I, I'm very political. I am very, very, very political. And I read and I, I say things on the internet and I have no problem with my natural activism. But bringing it into the comedy show was, it, it was important for me that my activism worked for everybody. You know, like yeah, I didn't man. want this, I didn't want this to be a show about activism. I wanted to talk shit about Governor Bill Lee because Governor Bill Lee sucks for everybody, you know? <laughs> like, like, that, that's what I mean. Like, you know, I wanted Marquita Bradshaw to win the election knowing, knowing that she was had a crazy battle ahead of her. So I kept saying that on the TV, you know, sure. like I, I, I had to be true to myself, but my, my goal for the show wasn't for it to be some sort of, um, it wasn't, that's not where my activism was going to come out. Yeah. You know, like my activism comes out in the Twitter on Twitter and Facebook saying the things that I believe and then going out and marching for people when it's safe and, and actually doing the things that you, we talk about, you know, like I'm, I'm very much, I, I know that a lot of, we, we all, we're all big talkers. And I mean, that's this whole industry. We're all big talkers, right? <laughs> I think it's real easy to go back and see who's, who's, who's bear, who's bore some fruit from that big talk, you know, mm. like, and, and that's, that's the person I want to be. Like, I want people to look at me and go, hey, you said all these things that mattered to the world. What did you do? I want people to go back and go, oh, I did something, you know? Sure, man. And I, I think that that's why it has to be in there. It has to be in my comedy show, but it doesn't have to be the heart of the comedy show for me. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. The heart of it is just make people laugh. <laughs> like, I'm just trying to get people to laugh, you know? That's it, baby. That's all we can do, man. Eddie, where can, the, where can the good people find you on, on social media, man? All right. You can find me personally at uh, This Eddie Ortiz on all the platforms except for TikTok because I'm not young. And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Instagram, Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Uh, through Facebook, you can find some of my writing if you want. You know, That's I have great. all on the websites. And um, if you want to follow the Nashville Comedy News, it's Nashville Comedy News on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, uh, like and subscribe on the YouTube, you know. All that good stuff. Perfect. We're a, we're a YouTube show. I'm a YouTuber. YouTuber. <laughs> hey, man, you can make some money on there. Ask John Hickok about that. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I, uh, 
<laughs> anyway, it's yeah. been fun, man. It's good, good seeing you and catching up with yeah, you, man. man. Like, hopefully, well, sooner or later, seeing you in the real world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, that's the first British people got their vaccines today, so maybe in the next few months. Also, why'd they give it to that old lady? I, that's that's weird to me. I don't know. And a, and a guy named William Shakespeare. What's up with that? Like, <laughs> like really? Those yeah. are the people you chose? Yeah, these are the people. So, uh, God help us yeah. all. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie, love right. you, man. I'll, I'll see you soon, man. All right. All right, brother. Have a good, good one. Good talk, man. Ho, ho, ho. And that's a podcast, ladies and gentlemen. You're so welcome. <laughs> Dude, man, appreciate y'all listening, man. Always listen to the dumb ching with Carl. Tell your friends, tell your foes. Give us that subscribe. Give us that like. You know what I'm saying? We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, other podcasts. Probably. Let them all know, man. Appreciate Eddie for being on the show. And guess what, man? we got plenty of guests in the future. So uh, sorry about your luck. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, see you later.